0: It's good, to, it's good to be here with y'all. I'm hope, I hope y'all have had a, a good week. I know, I know everyone I've talked to is like, man, class has hit hard this week. So I know that a lot of you are tired. So thanks for taking time out of your week to come and, uh, yeah, be, be present together, be present with the Lord. Um, I hope that this is encouraging. Like uh, Rachel said, plug Falco one more time if you're not signed up. Just consider signing up. We want, uh, yeah, in the midst of the stress, we want it to be an opportunity for you to rest a little bit and uh, recover uh, so you can come back. So we'll have a sign up uh, after a large group, and you can sign up. I mowed my lawn today and I inhaled a bunch of dust, so I'm a little phlegmy. So, all right, so tonight we're going to continue talking about the heart of the king. Uh, we've been studying the last few, the last, this semester, um, what is Jesus' disposition towards his people? What is his heart's longing, his disposition towards his people? And uh, tonight we're actually going to talk about probably what's a challenge for many of us. Uh, I know it's a challenge because I talk with students. Tonight we're going to talk about prayer. And I talk with students a lot. I talk with them anywhere from 8 to 12 students a week. And consistently, when I'm talking with college students, I say, hey, how's your life? How's your faith going? And they say two things. They say, one, I'm not reading my Bible enough. And two, I'm not praying enough. Which is interesting that I ask, how's your faith? And you reduce it down to your, perform- your individual performance in front of God. There's something going on there. But that's a different sermon. But you say, I'm not reading my Bible enough, and I don't pray enough. And maybe that's how you feel tonight. You say, I, don't, I didn't pray this week. I don't know if I prayed one time except when I was maybe in large group. And that's a source of shame. Uh, or maybe you're thinking like, man, everyone else in here is just, they pray without ceasing. And how can I measure up to that? <laughs> There's no way I can keep up with what, with, what others are doing. Uh, maybe you're here and you're exploring Christianity. You're exploring faith. And you're like, I don't know what this whole prayer thing is. Uh you consider yourself spiritual but not religious. And you're not sure. And uh, so, so tonight, what's awesome is that Jesus speaks directly to the whole spectrum of positions and thoughts and questions and insecurities around prayer. And he sits down with all of us and he teaches us how to pray and it's really amazing. So what I want tonight to be for you is something that lifts the burden of you feeling like you have one more thing that you have to perform in, in your daily life, and you just get to sit in what Jesus tells you and that it's sweet and good for you. And tonight Jesus shows us, it's really simple, a very simple and a very merciful truth that prayer is nothing more than talking with our Father. Prayer is nothing more than talking with our Father, the King. And we're going to look at that in three ways. We're going to look at, first, the challenges of prayer. Second, the simplicity of prayer. And three, how to pray. Always asking, what does this show us about the heart of Jesus, and why does it matter? Uh, So I'll read this text while I'm up here talking. If you have questions, shoot me a text. My number is on your little uh, piece of paper, and I'll dialogue with those questions after. And uh, I don't know if I'll answer them, but at least I'll dialogue with them. So... Um, Let me let me uh, read this text. All right. This is from Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, as we talk about prayer, we pray that you would be with us, that your Holy Spirit would separate all of the other content that we hear in classes, in labs, on Zoom, uh, and that this would be more than content, but that it would be you meeting us by the power of your spirit to nourish, equip, relax, and unburden our hearts to know and love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, so simple thing that we're looking at tonight. Prayer is nothing more than talking to our Father, the King. And so we're gonna look at that in three ways, the challenges of prayer, the simplicity of prayer, and how we pray. So let's look first at the challenges of prayer, all right? The challenges of prayer. And we're gonna look at three. I think there's at least three challenges that this text lays out that we all struggle to pray with but we're not the only ones it's been it's been going on for a long time we're going to look at three that we're going to look at the fakes we're going to look at the performers and we're going to look at the distance the fakes the performers and the distance all right so verses five through eight i read them uh, when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand at the street at the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others and when you pray verse seven do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do all right, so let's look at the first one. Let's look at the fakers. Let's look at the fakers. All right, so verse 5, when he says, do not be like the hypocrites, what does he mean here? What's going on here? Well, Jesus is probably referring to a group of people that's likely Jewish. He uses the word synagogue, which is the, uh, the place where ethnic Jews gathered for worship. So when he you know, connects this group of hypocrites with the uh, synagogue, he's likely talking to the uh, the, the, the the Jewish people, uh, and he also contracts this with the Gentiles in verse 7, and so the Jews were a super religious people, right? Everybody knows this, like even to this day, when you think of someone who's, well, at least when I was in New York City, we talk about lots of Jews in New York City, who are the people who were serious about faith? Always, people would be like, a Jew. That's always been the case. They, even on the train and subways today, they will pray on the train. They're just, everywhere they go, they're praying, right? and they uh, when they would pray apparently back in the day they would use like fancy theological words right they were the super religious people and when they were praying but look what jesus says about them he says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites the hypocrites is what he calls them and hypocrisy we know is when you say one thing but that you do another and so what is he saying here? He's saying, Jesus is saying, well, they seem pious, they seem prayerful, but actually they're doing the exact opposite. They're, rather than talking to and, and glorifying God, they're talking to others, they're talking about themselves, and they're seeking their own aggrandizement. They, what is he saying? They are looking for a reward. They're looking for social, people looking at them and saying, man, they look like they've got it together. They, they are, those are super spiritual, super, super spiritual people. They're not looking for intimacy or connection with their father. They're looking for the social perks that come from looking like they have intimacy with God. And the challenge of fake here, especially for religious people, is how easily, we can, how easily they and we can use prayer to stroke our own ego, ego right? To just say like, hey, I am not feeling great about myself, but I know if I pray the right way in front of the right people, I will feel better about myself. That I can appear spiritual, that I can prove my piety in front of other people. (laughs) And I was studying that today, and I was just cut. (laughs) Because I was like, oh, man, I'm a pastor. (laughs) That cut so close to home. Like, I'm a professional Christian. And here's what happens. Like, often at family gatherings, like at Thanksgiving or Christmas, any family gathering, like church, friends, family we get together everybody sits around around the table and we know somebody's going to pray you know what everybody does Whoop. hey Jonathan you want to pray <laughs> and I'm like oh no I have to prove myself now like all this pressure of measure up spiritually and theologically this better not be just like some three-year-old prayer this is better be a good one and I know I'm not the only one. I have a friend who's a pastor. He prays for his own family at family meals. And one time he said, when he was, he said, amen, his grandfather, who's this old timer, just sits up and says, well, that's a mighty pretty prayer. <laughs> I wish I'd have said it. <laughs> and, and so there's this pressure, right? There's this pressure that I know I feel, and I know that many of you feel, to pray, to, to, to say the right words. And so some of you, it's your friend group. Prayer becomes this thing, and it always has been this thing that we do to try and demonstrate to others, like, hey, I've got my life together. I'm this kind of Christian. And when it happens, we can start to say, like, hey, I I, I guess I'm getting a reward. People are like, man, they're serious about their faith, right? Or the other thing can happen. The opposite happens. You hear someone praying in these big, fancy theological words, and you think, man, I can't keep up with that. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not cut out for this thing. I guess I'm just not cut out to pray. I guess I just they pray and I don't. And so either we, you know either we do know the words and we can talk in the words and we call it, you know we call these what do we call it Christianese. or we don't and we're just like ah nothing matters like I, I guess I'm not a prayer. And so that's that we've lost the point. The first challenge of prayer is the fakers this 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 need. To perform when we pray right perform in front of ourselves and uh, so that, that's the first challenge of prayer we're going to look at and we're going to look at how Jesus cares for these challenges but uh, first I want to look at the challenges the bad news second challenge the performance driven prayer right and so look at verse seven Jesus says when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words all right, so we have our first prayer, which is basically a question about the quality of the prayer. Hey, if you can have the right quality prayer, grade A certified prayer, you're in. This one is about quantity. This one's about, hey, if you get this thing and, and you're banging it about, you're just praying all the time, that is what God is listening to. And we think the same thing about our lives and our faith today. Apparently the Gentiles, who were uh, the, the non-Jewish people, they worshiped the Greek gods. And if you know anything about the Greek gods, the Greek gods were not interested in humanity. They were up on Mount Olympus. They didn't care. They were doing their own things. And so the Greek r- religious experts said, hey, the only way we're going to be able to get the attention of the god is if we just keep churning it out. We just have to keep praying over and over and over and over again. And so they just, th- their prayer hinged on repeated words over and over and over again. So they would chant over and over again, thinking that they would have to earn and perform to earn the God's attention. They think, what does it say here? They think they will be heard for or because of their many words. And I, I, think, that that's, I think that's true of me a lot of it sometimes. And I think that's true of you sometimes. Is you just feel like, if I pray enough, God will hear me. If I pray every day that I'll get into the right graduate program, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Or if I think, if I pray every day, every, if I just pray every Sunday, Lord, give me a godly husband, give me a godly wife, then God will listen. He will pay attention. Or if I just, God, God I've got a big test. I'm going to pray every hour. I'm going to set my phone to get the right grade because I need this grade to protect my scholarship, right? Whatever it is, we think that if I just, if I just turn up the quantity... Of, what I'm, of, of talking to God, then maybe he'll hear and he'll listen, right? I know I, know I do that. If I really need something, I'm just like, well, I'm going to have to pray about it. A lot. A lot. And what's amazing is behind this, behind this is a misunderstanding of who God is. Because, see, the Greek and the foreign gods, they didn't concern themselves with human affairs. They definitely never felt affection for human beings. They, they, they would give the humans what they wanted, only if they earned it. And, and I wonder if that's how I think about God a lot of the times. I'm like, well, God is, he kind of has to care for me, but I don't know if he actually wants to. And so I'll just, I'll just keep asking. Just keep churning it out. I've got to pray all the time. So we're going to, you know, if we ask, if we ask rightly, he'll give us what we need. And so we're going to talk about, again, we're going to look at the problems, and then we're going to look at how Jesus meets us, how his heart is towards us, in these challenges of prayer so the major point here is challenges that we think we have to non-stop. First, we think, well, if my prayers are good enough. Then we think, well, if I keep it up enough, if I keep going long enough. Then the last challenge of prayer is the spiritual distance challenge. So first, the fakers challenge, second, the performance challenge, and last, the spiritual distance challenge. And I think this is hidden in verses 6 and verse 8. Verse six, verse eight, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse eight, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father sees in secret, your father knows what you need. And I think this is probably the greatest challenge to prayer in our lives in the 21st century because we live in what sociologists, philosophers, theologians call a secular age. A secular age. And a secular age is a time and a moment in history that has sucked God out of our world. Has removed God from the, from the, in, in our world. He, we say that, that God is basically out there. He's wherever God is, he's not here. He's way out there. He's just not present in our lives. And we do this with science. We say if we can't see an experiment with God, you he, he, he can't prove him. We say, we say this in, uh, in our sociology. We say religion is just a social construction of social forces and culture. Uh, we do this in our movies. We think we create things like Star Wars where, where the, the deity is just this impersonal force. All of our world, media, academics, science, often even, a, we just think God is out there. He's a long ways away. He's distant. And we think, well, if God is out there, we're just like, well, then... Should I talk to him? Like I, I don't. I've never really seen him. I've grown up hearing about him. Maybe I went to mass, or maybe I go to church every week. But he's way out there, and I'm here, and I, it just feels like a long ways away. And our, we have these small voices that are just saying, "I don't know if it's worth it. I think you can use your time better." <laughs> I know that's what I think. I'm like, I can optimize my time better by actually doing what needs to get done rather than praying about it. Because I think God's out there and I don't know if he cares. So there's the challenges. We feel that God is way out there. We feel like we have to have the right quantity of prayer. We feel like we have to have the right quantity of prayer. And when all of those things, boom, hit us, we're just like, I'm not doing this. This is too much. I don't want to do it. This is the challenges to prayer. I know that's what I feel. I think that's what you feel. And so Jesus teaches us how to pray. Here's the second point. Is that Jesus just shows us how simple prayer is? So if there's three challenges to prayer, Jesus gives us three gifts of prayer. And if you're, writing, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you have your phone, write this down. Listen to this. It's, it's six words. It's so simple. Where is my notes? No pressure, not much, he knows. No pressure, not much, he knows. He knows. Alright, so we're going to look at each one of those and how they, they meet us in the three challenges. So first, no pressure. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. What is he saying there? He says, this, this, this is just a giant take the pressure off. When you pray, go to a place where there's no need to perform where there's no need for anybody else to be listening and for you to feel like I have to have the right quantity, or sorry, the right quality of prayer, where I have to use the right words, where I have to impress anybody else. Three times he says, wall yourself off there. He says, go to your room, shut the door. There's one more in there. Maybe it is in the Greek. I can't remember. Oh, and and, and it's in secret. And in Greek, uh, in Jewish homes, there's only one place in a home that had a lock. They didn't have locks on their front doors. The only place that had a lock was the animal feed barn, because that was the only thing that was really, really important. So he's basically saying, go to a barn where there's a bunch of grain. No one's going to be in there. That's the place where you're praying. You just take the pressure off. Take the pressure off yourself to have to perform spiritually in front of others. Why? Well, it's because God sees you. Sit in that for a second. You see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, there's no pressure. God sees you. He, the, not just God, but the Father sees you. He sees you in that secret and he will reward you. He'll listen, he cares. Contrary to the secular lie that says God is way out there, he says, no, God is in that secret, walled-off place, present, listening, caring for you when you talk with him. Your Father sees you and rewards you. So first, no pressure. Second, not much. If the second challenge is words on words on words, performing them rightly over and over again, Jesus says, just ask for what you need in simple words, right? Verse 8, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask. Not much, and he, he, he knows. The second challenge is, hey, I just got to pile lots and lots of words out. And, 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 and the grace here is, there's just, no, you don't. Just say, Lord, this is what I need right now. That's a prayer. Done. Today, I was just, I can't, some, something happened like this today. I was like, Lord, I need this today. Uh, oh, no, it was, I, I couldn't get this stupid projector to turn on. I was in here today. I was like, Lord, I need the projector to turn on. That was it. That was my prayer. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, please, because of your atoning work that you've done, I can do it really well. I was like, Lord, we need the projector on tonight. Please turn it on. That's prayer. Your Father knows and will listen. Look at the simple prayer that Jesus teaches us. It's not long. It's very short, in fact. It just it covers all our needs. That, and so so it's just... Take the pressure off yourself to have to perform these long, drawn out prayers that that, that we feel like we have to do. The second challenge or the second grace that Jesus says is just, it's simple. It's so, so simple. We're going to look at at what he gives us in just a second to pray as the model. And so first is no pressure. Second is not much. Lastly, he knows. And I touched on this already. Verse 8, your father (laughs) knows what you need. And this is where Christianity is so different and it confronts the secular lie that God is way out there. Christianity says that God is right here. The Father is present right here, listening, and not only does he, 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 he knows what you need. That's, this is a picture, he doesn't say, notice he doesn't say God is here. No, he says your Father is here and he knows what you need. In Luke's account of the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, Luke records Jesus to say that a good father does not give a child a snake when he asks for a fish. And in that same way, God our Father, he knows what we need and he gives us the right perfect gift that we need when we ask him for it. And if you are God's child, which you are when you trust in Christ, then God adopts you into his home and he becomes your father. And so when you talk to him, he listens. He knows you. He's close to you. He cares about you. He's close, affectionate, eager to listen to you. It's like, I mean, I know I've used this before. It's when Phoebe just crawls in my lap and just says, Daddy milk, please. Daddy milk, please. Two words. Daddy milk. Three words. Daddy milk, please. (laughs) Three words. Simple. Yes, of course I'm going to get you milk. Let's go get some milk that's that's the father's disposition towards you because God is good not much prayer is required because our heavenly father is God not much information is required he already knows and so here's what I want you to feel I want you to feel like prayer is not a burden Jesus says he says my burden is easy my yoke is light he says you don't need there's not this need to perform in front of Jesus do you see how do you see how easy and how comforting that is to your and my spirituality? Prayer is not a performance, it's not a duty, it's not a ritual. It's not, it's not something that we have to perform. It's talking to the Father who is close, who loves you and I, loves you and me, and he wants to listen. Uh, and, that's, and that's where we start to see as our theory, theme here: the heart of the king. What's the heart of the king? To be close to you, to listen, and to give you what you need. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not a ritual to earn God's attention. Prayer is presenting our needs as children to a father who loves us. And so what, what, what Jesus is doing here is Jesus liberates you and me from wondering, am I doing this right? Or why, am I, why don't I do this? Jesus just says, stop all of that overthinking and just talk to me. Come to me and talk to me about what's going on. J- Jesus here is shifting prayer from a spiritual duty to perform to a running conversation with your father who loves you. How many of you, have, if you have a, great, a decent relationship with your dad, just kind of have a running text thread? Or you call him, say, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm like, "Well, I did this class, and actually, I, I did this." And uh, can you? I need 20 bucks this week for pizza. Oh yeah, go ahead. Here's you know, maybe I don't know if your dad does that. Or <laughs> Jesus gives you the prayer. He gives your prayer the freedom of privacy, brevity, and assurance. Jesus gives your prayer the freedom of privacy and of brevity and assurance. And so finally, after that introduction, Jesus gives us how to pray. Third point, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which is this new, in this new light becomes not this non-performing guardrails of how do we pray? Look how it starts off, right where we left off. Our Father in heaven. The Father, our Father, but the one in heaven who's out there, but he's still here knowing what we need. I hope that you never get a, you never stop being astounded by how great that is that we have a father who knows you knows what you need who's in heaven who can provide for you who cares for you and the proof is Jesus what better proof is there of Jesus caring for you than sending his son to die for you to teach us how to pray our father who art in heaven and then he starts to say hey hey here's the things that we need in our lives we need your name to be perfect because that's, what, that's, that's what's going to bring peace to our world. We need, we need your kingdom to come. The kingdom of God is God's rule of justice, peace, compassion, mercy fixing all the right things pick up think all the wrong things that are happening in our world when the kingdom and as the kingdom comes they are all fixed god come bring your kingdom to afghanistan bring your kingdom to a woman who's caught in sexual trafficking bring your kingdom to my own frustrations with my professors bring your kingdom your will be done Your will be done. The things that you are doing to fix our restore our world, to fix my broken life, to fix my sexuality, to fix my broken relationships. Please, your will be done as as it is in heaven. Do it here. I need it to happen in my life. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I have needs. I'm a human being who has a body that needs clothes and shelter. I, I, I have things that I need today. Sustain me. Hold me up. Because you are my good father. Forgive us our debts. Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things today. I'll do wrong things again. Please forgive me. But you're a good father and I know that you will. As we have forgiven our debtors. Lord, help me to be a bearable person to be around. (laughs) Help me to be the kind of person that is extending your charity towards others lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil father there are forces in our world that want to kill and crush and destroy and lead me into depression and anxiety i need you to protect me from them that's prayer and that's what jesus teaches us how to do how 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 do we do this well i'm still learning how to do this my prayer life has shifted from like long times of prayer a season of prayer which is not a bad thing i still try to do that But it's shifting, it's shifted towards just more daily conversations. Like I said, Lord, we need the projector work. Please do it. If not, cool, we'll figure it out. I'll just be walking around campus and say, Lord, I pray for the students I'm seeing right now. Please be working in them. I don't know what you're doing in their lives, but please do it. Holy Spirit, heal Jake's stomach. I know he's hurting today. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage Sam today. Holy Spirit, uh, I pray that you would protect RUF from Satan's attacks. Lord, I'm discouraged today. Please comfort me. Show me in your word where where you're good today. I need to see it. Sustain me. Sustain me physically. Protect your church. That's what prayer becomes. It no longer becomes this thing where it's like, oh, I didn't pray today. To a running conversation with your father who sees you and knows you and loves you. That's freeing prayer that's the prayer of a king who is well disposed and loves you he knows what you need he knows he sees you in secret and as christians we believe that when we pray we are moving closer to a god who is moving and saving our world that's what happens when we pray we're moving close to a god who is moving in our world he asks us to come to him and so we say hey help me help me move and i mean that's universe bending stuff that's why prayer is such powerful powerful stuff We're in conversation with the good king of the universe who created all things. This is your God. This is your father. And so this week, just talk to him. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. That's the power to pray, and that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done